welcome to our Nomad Day Simple Wellness for Women show. I'm Jolene Fisher, your host, and every episode of the Nomad Day show will give you a view into the life of another woman and her story, her triumphs, her struggles, and all the good things in between. And anyways, the lessons along the way are the most important, and the stories about these women's lives are the things that impact me the most. When I sit down for coffee one-on-one with a gal, I just absolutely get absorbed into their story. And today we're going to be hearing and talking to Renee Valenzuela. And Renee, she is just a beautiful spirit. She's super compassionate. She's loving. And most of all, she's so funny. I love being (laughs) around her. And uh, she is here today to tell her story of what she thought was the end to now having a whole new beginning. Renee is a consultant at Believe Bride and she's married. Uh, she got married on May, May 19th to Domingo, the love of her life, and she'll share a little bit more about that later. And she's currently working toward being a dietitian to where she could work in a naturopathic clinic. So going to school, getting her feet back in the game there has been a challenge, and I'm sure she'll share a little bit more with us <laughs> about that as well. Um, she's very open to talking about her health struggle, struggles, so as you guys get a chance later on to ask questions, please do. And if you want to follow her on Instagram, find her at mrsmrs.rjb. And uh, you can find this interview later on posted in Jolene Fisher Facebook page. Um, and my that's my business page, as well as on my po- podcast channel. I'll be posting about that later. And you can find references to our interviews at No Bad Days Online on Instagram. So let's get right in, right into it. Hey, Renee. Hello. How's it going? Good. Thank you for Good. being the very first guest on the Nomad Days Women's yes. Show. Yay. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I just love that. We met a couple years ago and were introduced by a mutual friend, and you've been a sweet soul in my life ever since. So. Oh, I love it. I know. I tell people all the time. It's one of those things that um, we had like this chance meeting and I love that we were connected and it's just one of those things that now you're such a staple in my life and I get to be part of all of this social media stuff with you and I just love that I love it yeah well thank you for being a part of our new group on Facebook as well posting in there and giving other women a chance to meet you and to know who you are because your story is very inspiring and it'll give hope to so many women today so let's go ahead and get started give us a little bit of your background and where you're from and how you grew up and kind of totally. yeah um I was actually born in Southern California um in a little town called uh well I was born in Fountain Valley so it's right near Garden Grove in Orange County um my family both sides of their family actually grew up in Orange County and so it was very near and dear to their heart but if you've ever been there it's painfully expensive to live there and so um eventually my family moved us to Moses Lake Um, where part of my dad's family actually lived. And then from there, we kind of traveled all over the place. Um, My dad followed his career several times, and we ended up in Michigan for a little while. And then um, I actually graduated high school from Ephrata High School in 2007, so just a quick minute ago. Um, But, yeah, and then from there, I went to Central Washington University um, to study music, So I thought for sure that I would be teaching kids music and really like digging into that music theory and vocal training and things like that. Um, Choir for me in high school was such a big thing. It was such a big part of my community. And so um, 
that was something I thought I wanted to do. And then I actually got into it and I thought, that's for sure not what I want to do. Uh, and so um, from there, we ended up, I was in Moses Lake for quite a while, uh, which is where I met Domingo. And we were both dealing at a casino over there. So a little card room. And from there, we ended up here in Spokane, just looking for some growth opportunities. And it's been an interesting ride since then. So, yeah. Good. Um, so tell us a little bit about your, when you were growing up, who was the most influential person in your life? Or maybe even today, I don't want to yeah. limit it to just growing up years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, growing up was always kind of funny. Um, my parents were very young parents. And so they had their own share of struggles. Um, and so, but they always absolutely made sure that we were taken care of as kids. And um, I had what we needed. We definitely didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, so that was something that I learned pretty early on to have a respect and um, sort of like caution towards um, is kind of taking care of the financial side of my life. Um, but I was always surrounded with a really strong like extended family. Um, and that's something that I didn't quite recognize and appreciate maybe until later on in my life. Um, my grandfather and my um, on my mother's side was probably one of the most spiritual human beings I have ever known in my life. Um, he passed away several years ago when I was in high school, but he absolutely like this man had the Bible memorized, like just to give you a tiny glimpse of who he was as a person. And that was just what he lived and breathed. And I just came to think that that was a normal thing and that, um, you know, that everyone could have this ridiculously close relationship with God and something that's so personal and so engulfing. Um, and so that really kind of struck me. And then as I, you know, wandered out into the world and noticing that that's not necessarily the norm and that that isn't something that everyone is experiencing all of the time. Um, so he absolutely was a huge influence on me um, as a child. And then now it's, and you know what, actually Dane and I were just talking about this the other day. Um, this question sometimes comes off, like the answer to this question can seem a little cliche, but, um, it's just so true. And, uh, my husband is easily the most influential person in my life and my everyday, everything. Um, he kind of dragged me out of some darkness on several occasions. And so that's one of those things that I think without him, I would be a very, very different human being than I am right now. Right. So. And we can all identify those angels that were placed here for us to, right really be in those moments right when we needed them the most and to still stick with us and that yeah. whole idea of unconditional love that right carries us through yeah absolutely yeah love it <clears throat> so what years of your life really shaped you the most oh boy that <laughs> is such a hard question um I feel like I have been um and you know what Domingo and I talk about this on a regular basis I have been so many versions of myself in this lifetime. And I, I'm only 30 and I feel like I've lived 15 lifetimes. Um, but I, like, my teenage years were rough. I had, um, I didn't necessarily have the best picture of what healthy relationships are supposed to look like. And, um, you and I have touched on this before, but that's hard as a teenage girl, that's hard to set those boundaries and to really decide who you're going to be and how you're going to be treated. Um, and so I think 
that portion of my life, obviously, like it taught me so many things and how to really become self-sufficient. And, um, and then, you know, I moved to college and it was the first time being truly by myself. Um, I have two little brothers and so they were kind of attached to the hip with me for our whole childhood. So, um, they, and I just adore them even to this day. I talk to them on a regular basis. So it's one of those things that that part of my life was again, something that just really, I ran into some weird struggles there. Uh, I had some really crazy roommates that taught me again, just kind of a little bit more compassion in this life. And then, um, but I think when I, when I first got sick, um, that it genuinely changed me to who I am right now. Um, and this phase in my life is absolutely so from, it was such a weird moment in my life anyways. Um, 20, what, boy, how old am I now? So like 23, 24 years old, I, I felt like I was finally becoming the adult version of me. And then I was just kind of struck with this crazy burden and this crazy life change. And it absolutely flopped and flipped my whole world just upside down. And I had to reevaluate how I did things and who I was and who I wanted to be. And it has definitely changed and shaped my goals. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Well, I wouldn't, I want to talk to you about that in a little bit, but first a question that came to my mind was if you could go back and tell that 14, 15 year old girl, some advice, what would you tell her? No. Oh. Let's see. I honestly, the best advice I could give 14 year old me is that it's going to be okay. Just, you are worth so much more and it's going to be fine. Um, I think 14 year old me had so much stress just on my shoulders at all times. And I wanted to carry the weight of the whole world at all times. Um, I am, I'm a, I'm a counseling personality by nature and I want to fix people's problems and kind of figure out a way to tackle that. And at 14 years old, you don't, have the resources or the know-how to really do that. And so I, I latched on to some damage that I didn't need to latch on to and uh, problems that weren't mine to fix. So, yeah. And isn't that true today for right? people with personalities that want to fix other people or that codependency kind of yes. personality to say, I can fix this person when it isn't our battle to win. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Yes. I struggle with my own battles so much and I don't, and in my age, I've decided like you can't actually have that codependency and take on all of these fights that they're just not yours to fight. They're not. And there's a way to love those people in that space and give them space to fight that grief and fight that pain on their own without having to kind of shoulder all of that for yourself. Definitely. Absolutely. Yes. So take us to your 23 year old self. You must have been finished with college by now. Yes. And starting to get out there in the world, like you said, becoming into your womanhood. Yes, absolutely. So um, good old 23-year-old me. Um, Domingo and I had actually already been dating. Um, I finished college early. I did some running start courses in high school. And so um, I was done with college pretty easy or pretty quickly. Um, And then so uh, Domingo and I had already been dating and we had actually broken up. Um, We were apart for about a year. Um, and in that time I moved to Spokane, I was actually living with my college roommate, um, who was also in Spokane and she's actually one of 
my longest friends. I've known her since we were nine years old and we keep drifting apart and coming back together. These like momentous parts of our lives. Um, but I was living with Megan and, uh, I've had migraines my entire life. Um, so it's just one of those things that like it comes up, sometimes they're terrible, sometimes they're okay and they just go away on their own. So, um, it was just a regular old headache that wouldn't go away for a few too many days. And I was like, okay, well, I've missed too many days of work. Um, I was dealing at a card room in the Valley. I was, I had missed just a few too many days of work. And I was like, I'm going to just go into the urgent care, have them give me some, um, the Imatrex shot, right? A little migraine shot and then I'll be fine. So without fail, I go in and they always make you do extra testing, make sure, right? Do their due diligence as doctors, which I appreciate. Um, but the doctor came back and said, you know what, there's a little bit something funky on your scans. Um, we'd like you to, we're going to give you this migraine shot, but I'd like you to come back in a few days. Um, came back in a few days and they're like, yeah, definitely not what we want to see. We're going to schedule for an appointment in, um, in about, I think it, it took about a month and a half because, you know, good old insurance and lack thereof. Um, but so it took about a month and a half. I went back in and in that time, um, what they had originally seen on my scans had quadrupled in size and it popped up out of nowhere and it, and they instantly were like, Oh boy, like this is a, this is an issue. Um, this is crazy fast growing. We need to take a look at something. Um, there's something happening in your brain. We need to figure out what it is. So is this a CAT scan or MRI? Yes. Yes. They did a CAT scan first and then I believe they did an MRI. Um, at this point, my, memory is very foggy and very bogged down with all of the craziness. Um, that's one of the joys of all of the nonsense that I've been through is my memory at this point is a bowl of oatmeal somewhere in there. There's like (laughs) bits of information. Um, but so I ended up going to a doctor and we started instantly on, um, you know, they do all of the regimes that they need to do. They're like, yep, you have all these markers in your blood. We are going to start you on the chemo and start on this and start on all of this stuff to hopefully help. Um, and after the first round of chemo, they chose to let me do it orally so that, um, I could continue working and hopefully kind of combat it that way. Um, and that specific, um, excuse me, that specific, um, form of chemo tends to be better for the type of brain tumor they decided I had. Um, but it really just seemed to anger it and turn it into an even uglier beast. And it grew, it went from being a pinprick on a CAT scan to being, um, about seven centimeters across, um, in a very, very short time. So when we're talking seven centimeters for anyone that lives in the United States, that's the, uh, the diameter of a pop can. It's about seven centimeters. Oh, wow. So huge. Right. So we went from nothing to everything just like that. I was losing vision. I was losing, um, sort of like all of my depth perception to this day. I can't actually drive at night. I'm completely night blind. I have no depth perception when there's no light present. Um, so that is, it just kind of all spiraled. And I feel like for a few months there, I was in just this whirlwind of doctor's appointments and people and that's one of those times in your life that you don't necessarily know how to accept help from people. And that is something that to this day I will advocate for. I 
if you are struggling and you don't know what you're ask, what to ask for for help, you can say that. And I don't like. I think it's hard again as someone that obviously we the people that we care about when you see them struggling and you see them hurting, just know that they don't know what they need all the time. You know, and sometimes it's as simple as dropping a card in the mail, just saying, Hey, like we're thinking about you. That's it. Um, and that's really all they need. You know, that's one of those things. Like I didn't, didn't need someone to hold my hand through it. Again, I was so proud of being this strong, independent woman. And so it was not only a blow to like my health and my like wellness, but to my ego a little bit, you know, all of a sudden I couldn't do all of the things I wanted to do. Um, I was probably the healthiest I had been in years. I was running every day. I was, you know, I was very active. I was eating great. I was doing all the right things. And it kind of sent me into this spiral of like, why? Right. That's always a big question. Um, and cancer is such a jerk of a disease in the first place. Um, this tumor popped up. It was completely inoperable because of where it was. Um, it was too dangerous to the cognitive center in my brain. Um, that had they decided to try and go in and remove it, um, I was at risk of losing cognitive function and I wasn't willing to take that risk. So I weighed the pros and cons and they were like, cool, well, we can fight it with these things. And after several months of treatment, they, I sat down in a room full of doctors and they told me, look, I'm really sorry. We don't know how else to help this. We're out of, we're out of options and we would love to like try and make you make sure that you're not in pain, but eventually it's going to take you. Um, and by then I was 25 and definitely not ready to call it quits. And so, um, I, and I had already gone, I, I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't spend some time in that like dark asking God, like why and kind of doubting a plan and doubting how this could possibly grow me as a person and how this was helping anyone else even. Um, <clears throat> because I feel like those hard moments in your life, they have to teach you something and they have to, if they're not teaching me something, they need to teach someone around me something. And I just didn't feel like anyone was learning from this. There was nothing to be learned from a, this terrible situation and this terrible outcome. And so I absolutely kind of sunk myself into that hole for a while. Um, and luckily again, I've been surrounded by ridiculously amazing human beings my whole life. And I just had, um, I had some really great friends from when I was in high school and, uh, some relationships that really persisted, um, even after high school and all our crazy paths that we took. And uh, I had a couple people reach out and that were just very much spiritual guidance for me and kind of just snapped me out of that. And, um, and then as, as well as Domingo, right? Like I, we weren't together, but I was like, you know what? I like this person knows me really freaking well. Like I'm going to, you know what? Like maybe he has a plan. Who knows? Like maybe he knows someone that knows something about anything. Like who knows? You know, this world is big. Someone's bound to know someone that can find me a better answer than that. And so um, that's actually how Domingo and I started talking again. And <clears throat> I just... I knew that I, I wasn't quite ready to give up and throw in the towel. And so um, I connected with this incredible naturopath who um, she actually was trying to stop being a naturopath. She didn't want to take any patients. She, or, she only had three left 
She was ready to retire. She was done. She was on her way to go live in Maine, literally in the wilderness. Like she wants to live off the grid and not do anything. And so I found her and I, um, she was probably one of the sassiest women I've known in this life, which is great. Cause I feel like I have a lot of sass and I needed someone to kind of kick me in the butt at that moment. And she absolutely did that. She was so tenacious and just ridiculous and relentless in all of her planning. And, um, so she did a lot of things for me that I don't know why she was willing to do for me. Um, she did so much work for me free of charge because I, again, um, I, I mean, medical care is expensive and I don't have insurance. You know, I've been working these jobs that don't offer that. And I had, um, just some, I mean, I was 24, 25 and living by myself and don't have a ton of extra money and I didn't have a ton of extra money saved. And so, um, I burned through my savings really quick and she was such a godsend and that she would just make it work for me and I would pay her back later. And that was our arrangement for a very long time. And she was amazing. And she actually ended up getting me into some clinical trials that I, um, was able to be part of. Um, and they injected a virus into my tumor directly. They built up all my antibodies against it. And then they injected that tumor directly. I have a small hole in my head right here. It's now filled. It's not, it's safe. It's not like a soft spot in a baby. It's all safe. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, they did that. And we went from at its biggest point, this tumor was almost 13 centimeters across at its biggest point. Oh my goodness. So it had morphed into sort of like an amoeba blanket around my brain. And it was just collecting all of the dead brain cells that we lose and we shed on a regular basis. And it just col collected them and claimed them as its own. And it was a terrible time. Um, and it shrunk it down. That first clinical trial shrunk it down to over half. So we went from... I was right on the verge. We had tried everything. We tried diet change. We tried just, oh, all sorts of homeopathic things, all sorts of um, just folk remedies, basically, for a while. We were, I was throwing anything at it. Like, if you had a shaman that you knew and wanted to send him, I would, like, I met with anyone and any everyone who wanted to pray over it and anything. I was ready. I was ready. I was like, you need me to do a rain dance. I will do it. If you think it will help, I'm here. Like, um, I'm in. So, um, yeah. So finally we did that. Um, and it took it down quite a bit. Uh, the second time around it did terribly. So the second time around, um, I failed my kidneys and my liver. Um, and they both, I started to go into renal failure, um, which anyone that's ever done that, it's a terrible time absolutely not a great time. Uh, you need those things in your body for a reason. Um, but I was just so sickly for such a long time. And I really thought that maybe I wouldn't recover and really be who I ever was. Right. I wouldn't get back to that place. Um, and eventually we did a couple more things and I ended up doing, um, some stem cell therapy. Uh, and that was the last straw. And as of April 28th of 2017, I was officially marked in remission. Um, and so it was just, oh yeah, it was 
one of those things that I just thought I had been beating this thing to death just over and over. And I've, I had done radiation and I had tried the chemo and I had tried all of these things. And I thought for sure, none of it was going to pull me out the other side. And then again, just, I had these chance encounters with these incredible human beings and they ended up genuinely saving my life. And so it was definitely a ride. And I, the whole time I was very afraid, like I said, that I would never be the person that I was before. And it's, and I'm not, and I don't mind that. I was, I think it taught me to be so much less self-involved. And I think, especially as like at 23, 24 years old, we're really diving into that, that aggressive individualism where you're trying to find your own place in this world and you have to be this individual person and there's there's something to be said about community and as important as self-care is um community care is just as important and this life was not built to be walked alone it wasn't and it's silly to think that um i actually have a tattoo on my side of a psalm and it's, it was my grandfather's favorite psalm. And so, but it's lean not on your own understanding, right? And it's how often do we lean on our own? I'm like, no, I definitely know what's right for me. I definitely know what's, I don't. I don't know anything just about ever, really. So and I'm okay with that. <laughs> you were 23 when you were diagnosed. And in 2017, how old were you? Um, how old am I now? 30. So I was 28. Yeah. So five years of long suffering through this trial. And you're right. I mean, we go through short-term bouts of suffering and we want it to be over like this. Right. And so what do you think God taught you in in those five years to really then share with the rest of the world? Because... You, at the time you were in the early stages of your suffering, it was like, what is this going to teach me? And was it going to teach the world? What do you think it's taught you? I really just think <clears throat> life is so short and it's so fragile. And it's one of those things that, again, like I said, it's you don't have to do this life by yourself and you don't. And it's so easy in what we're doing in this life to be very isolated and to look at your Facebook life or your social media life as your sense of community. And that's not enough. It's not enough. And you need fellowship with other people who are going to build that strength. Um, my husband is a remarkably spiritual human being. Um, he grew up with a pastor dad. And so he has a really deep knowledge of the Bible, um, which is something that I crazy admire. Um, he's one of the few people I know that has actually read the Bible word for word from back front to back. Um, and not just kind of skimmed through it. Right. It's easy to pass over those things. And so in those dark moments, I was able to pull on him and reach to him and see those things and have him be like, okay, cool. But what about when this happened? What about when this happened? Like the world is so much bigger than me. Yeah. It's, so much bigger and it's so much bigger than my struggle and as you go through these things right I sat in chemo wards I sat in oncology rooms and you see this pain and this burden on so many people there's little kids in oncology wards that are just struggling and fighting that same fight as you 
And I think that's one of the most humbling moments to see someone that's five or six years old carrying this burden with such humility and such strength. And to know that, like, it's one of those situations, if if a five-year-old can do it, I am grown. I can do that, right? Like, I can handle that. If they can handle it, I can handle it. Yes. And it's just looking at things. The biggest difference is that kids don't have that sense of self-righteousness so much. They know that they can handle it. They know that someone else is taking care of them. And I think that my whole life I've been trying to forge my own path instead of following the path that God really has for me. And that's one of those hard shoves back into the right direction. So I love that. Like think like a child again, but yes. we aren't meant to do it alone or to be almighty and <laughs> yeah. rely on others for their strength exactly. and, and God for his strength. And yeah, that's just that's a great profound thing yeah. to even <laughs> just think about the perspective that you have is so rare and that's why I started the No Bad Days logo, you know, like, yeah, idea behind No Bad Days is, yes, we're going to have a bad day. We're going to be given things that we can't handle on our own, uh-huh. but life is hard and is. we go through a lot of junk and sometimes it's long suffering like yours, five years, and you're still not out of the complete woods, right? Right. It's still a day-to-day battle and struggle with your memory and various things that you go through, um, but it's the perspective that there's a bigger life beyond this one, that there's so much more that we're going toward and not just living here. Exactly. Um, while we're in the mud and the mire, that we can learn things from this and that we can help others through our suffering. And yeah. um, it's not about us. It's just not yeah. about us. It's just not. Yeah. yeah. But it's still hard in the suffering <laughs> people going through it. And, it's it not to say it isn't hard and to oh, yeah. play any of that. Oh yeah. No, it is. It's still, a, it's a struggle every day and it's a constant reminder every day to just kind of, and there are days that I, I just, I still get stuck in that, you know, and, um, and again, it's, it's that moment where you just have to know, like, you don't, you don't have to fix it for me. It's okay. I'm going to, I'll bounce out of it. Don't worry. And my husband is amazing at that. He's, such that that caring soul that's like he's not um he's not generally a very empathetic person just in general he has a ton of like or a sympathetic sorry he is very empathetic he's not a very sympathetic human being and he doesn't have that like that like wanting to coddle someone that's not in his blood and so um but it's the perfect balance for me when I'm just like stuck in it just being like ugh, everything is terrible my whole body aches like my head hurts and I'm sad and I'm tired and I'm just I need a 20 long 20 year long nap just about now like I'd like to hibernate for the winter like a bear we'll call it good and he's like you know what you're right that does suck I'm sorry I'm sorry that you're right it sucks and just holding that space for me to just be in it for a second and then knowing that like okay cool like so we're done with that now. Let's put up our Christmas tree. Let's do something. Let's go walk our dogs. Let's go do something that's going to bring me out of that a little bit. So, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. You have a couple dogs, right? Yes, I have two. They're my everything. Um, we have little Dash. He's a 13-year-old Pomeranian Maltese. He's a little white ball of fluff. Um, he that's kinda, a little picture, right? 
Yes. Yeah, that's the one in my in that photo I sent you. He's just the dead cutest. Kind of looks like a stuffed animal, honestly. He's a grumpy old man, for sure. Um, and then we have um, Lola, who is a pit bull. And she is, yeah, she's a little American bully. She's 65 pounds of the biggest scaredy cat you'll ever meet, ever. She's terrified of pineapples, um, which is a really odd, specific thing that she's terrified of. So, um, yeah, so... Everyone thinks she's real, real vicious, but the one you should be afraid of is Dash, the little one. They're always the meanest, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. All the bark. All bark, yeah. A little bit of bite, too. Yeah, they're just little teeth. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't just reach out and... Yeah. <laughs> don't let him come to you, huh? Yeah. So, um... Just tell us what your future looks like. You and Diego, or not Diego, Domingo. Sorry. Um, That's okay. My best friend has called him Diego for probably, I've known her, what, seven years now? So seven years. And so, and she was like, is that not his name? Probably like four years ago. And I was like, it's definitely not. And she's like, well, I'm going to call him that anyways. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So you two have been working really hard to kind of just get to a place of your, your future dreams with. He wants to be a teacher yeah. and yeah. he wants to be a de- dietitian. Tell us a little bit more about what you've now kind of gone through or what you are currently going through to get yeah. there. You guys do some crazy commuting too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy time. Um, Domingo and I really, we again, we spent so many years in survival mode and just kind of um, just trying to make sure that the next day would happen, you know? Um, and so it took a lot of really truly living in that moment and I, I wasn't I'm gonna be honest with you it was it might be dark but I wasn't planning for a future I wasn't really sure that there would be one so I did I put off any sort of kind of ambition that I had and any sort of plans that I had um, and that included getting married um, Domingo and I were together the better part of 10 years before we got married so um, we took that little break in the middle but we were together forever. And I just, again, it's one of those things that when you are that sick, you stop planning for the future. And I think that's one of those really dangerous side effects of trauma and struggle is that you just become stagnant. And so we finally decided like, that's it. We're done with that. Um, my cousin who is my best friend in this whole wide world, I adore her. She was my maid of honor. Like she is just the coolest chick I know. Um, she just graduated with her master's actually from Western Oregon University. Um, but we were at her bachelor's graduation and Domingo was like, I, why am I not in school again? Like, why did I not go back to school? And so he decided right then he was like, that's it. I'm going back and we're going to, I'm going to enroll. And so, um, he enrolled and he's been going to Spokane community college. Um, and he starts at Eastern this quarter actually. So he wants to teach, um, he wants to teach high school, which I think is perfect for him. Um, he definitely has the personality for it and the patience for it. Like that's one thing that, oh my, I don't have the patience. I don't. Um, but he absolutely has that. And so I think it's going to be awesome for him right now. We actually, um, we've been working at a little card room in Moses Lake, um, dealing cards. Cause it's something that, um, that's actually how him and I met was dealing cards and, it's something he's been doing for, oh boy, 15 years now. Um, and I've been doing this since I was 19. So, um, yeah, so it's 
it's not a difficult job by any means. And the people that we work with there are amazing, but it is an hour and a half commute each way. Um, so that's three hours of driving a day that we're doing three times a week. Um, and especially with the winter coming up, it's, it's treacherous. And, um, I know that we've talked about this, but I, we have wrecked twice on that highway. And, uh, so with the winter coming up, we're, we're looking into some options of, I'll, I'll probably start doing um, some more hours at the bridal shop and uh, really focusing on um, running some social media accounts with my friend Taylor um, with featured media. So we're doing that and just kind of just kind of lean into that um, while I go back to school too. So then we'll have school and all of this. So when I originally went to college right, um, right out of high school, I thought for sure I wanted to teach music and it was going to be awesome. It was not my dream. It was definitely not. And in the moment, it was great. And it was so good to be with that community and with those people that I adored. Um, but in reality, that's not, again, the, I don't have the patience for it, nor the passion, honestly. Um, I love music, but it killed that, killed that love of it to try and sit and listen to the same, same few arpeggios every day. Um, just kind of wrecked it for me. So um, so now I really want to take the things that I've learned and the things that really did make a big difference in my life were being part of that naturopathic community and being part of this kind of stepping outside of the pharmaceutical stuff. And that's not to say that medication is bad. I like, I feel like I always have to set that precedence. Like there are, is a time and a place for medicine and it is necessary for a lot of things. Um, but there are a lot of things that we can fix without that. There are a lot of things that we can fix with the way we eat and the way we look at food and our relationship with food and our relationship with just, it's hard to kind of, I come from, my family is of Hispanic descent and so, um, and, and Irish. And so we get together and we eat. That's, I mean, and I think that's, a common thing across cultures is you get together and you eat, you let people in your home and you feed them. Um, and so I think we've created this thing where we, if you're not filling your body with the right things, you just lose the option to even fight when something bad comes along. Right. So had I not been as healthy as I was at 23, I don't think I would have made it. I think I would have had to fold because my body would not have had the fuel and the and like the defenses that it needed to really go through all the weird nonsense that it did. And so I think it's just so important to really think about that. Um, and I want to be able to impact people with that. I want to be able to give people resources and be a resource for people that need a different option. Right. So, yeah. Well, we're thankful that you're in the, no bad days, uh, simple wellness for women group to give people some feedback on what you're doing currently with your yeah. nutrition. So tell us a little bit about your daily nutritional. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be honest with you. My willpower is garbage and that's something that I am working on on a regular basis. Um, and I have actually, it's something that I go back on so often that it's, it's absolutely something I have to pray about and I need to get, better at and I am getting better I'm getting better we will get there but um yeah so I uh I actually know I haven't eaten meat in 
years. Um, and it started because my body had a general intolerance to it and it has grown into a compassion thing for me. So, um, I don't eat any meat. Um, and then I don't do dairy either. Um, the dairy option was actually because, um, I also have lupus because <laughs> why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and dairy is one of those things that it causes inflammation in your body if you have an intolerance to that, especially. Um, and it causes all sorts of inflammation. And lupus already affects all of my joints and all of my my organs. And so the less inflammation, the better, right? So just in general, uh, the less inflammation, the better. So I stopped eating dairy um, entirely. Uh, at first, I thought I could just cut out like milk and cheese and things like that, but it, it really needed to be everything. So foods that come made with dairy, which is everything, just by the way, they throw milk in everything. They're like, you want some bread? Here's some milk with it. It's great. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been a lot of reading labels and a lot of things like that. Um, Domingo and I eat an absurd amount of vegetables. Um, so, and I very much am focused on doing a lot of green things. So there is something green that I eat at least twice a day um, because I just, I desperately need all of those vitamins and you can only get them from, especially if you're not eating meat, you can only get them from green things. So um, that's something that I definitely focus on. And then just kind of replenishing that protein um, and staying away from, we don't do processed food really in our house. Um, the only thing that I buy that's processed would be like the oat milk that goes in my coffee that goes every single day. But um, that's really it. And I probably should start making that. But um, in the meantime, yeah, that's really it. We try and stay away from processed foods. And um, my biggest struggle is staying away from sugar because I love it. Like even natural sugars, I just eat too much of it. So um, I have a crazy sweet tooth. And so, yeah, but I've been on a no sugar kick for a hot minute now. And so other than the honey that goes in my coffee in the morning, that's it. Um, so, yeah, that's good for you. And where we're at. Yeah, good. Well, all that leads back to better gut health, which leads exactly. to better brain health and yes. ultimately um, clear mind. And, you know, you need that yes. <laughs> more than anybody yes. <laughs> all this. Uh, but for, for anyone um, currently in some state of disease, whether it be an autoimmune disease or cancer diagnosis, uh, what, what hope can you give them as we close up the call or um, I know you probably already did, but yeah. last minute things you want to say about that? The only thing I would say is that you have options and you should explore them. And that is the one thing that had I just stopped at the last piece of advice of that, I, I had a team, a full team of seven people look me in the eye and tell me, I don't have any more options for you. So I found someone that did. I found someone that did have options. And I found someone that was willing to find new options. And you can always, always do that. And it's not too late in your diagnosis to do that. It's not too early in your diagnosis to do that. You don't have to wait until someone tells you there are no more options. Um, and, and just to reach out, right? Even when it's scary and even when you feel like you're a burden on someone, you're not. Um, just reach out, ask for help, ask for advice. Um, I'm never going to give you medical advice, but I will gladly give you advice on what I've done and what I've experienced and just know that that's not universal. And what works for one person won't ever work for everyone. 
and that's why we're in this mess that is disease in this world right now so great advice I love that but yeah the just because you got to know somewhere else doesn't mean you aren't going to find an open door and yes you need to be your own patient advocate yes to not just say okay I, I take what you're giving me and and that's it yeah that, that there there is possibly another way and totally. um, I'm a big proponent of naturopathic health too and so you and I, between you and I and several other people in the group that yeah. I know off the top of my head can point people in the right direction of the, the, the perfect doctor or the right. this or that that could, um, so yeah, we're, we're good at pointing people in the right yes, direction. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have the answers, but I know people that might Yeah, and stay off the internet. The internet is a terrible place. Don't do it. Don't self-diagnose. Don't go on the internet. It's a bad time. Every <laughs> bad thing I've ever created for myself has because I went on the internet and I found 20 web pages that said for sure you're done. Oh, don't go on WebMD. It's a terrible place. Don't do it. <laughs> I love it. No good advice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much Renee for being here today. Of Let's course. Love you. And thank you so much for being here today. And of course, for all of us giving us hope and great recommendations for our futures too, that, uh, that we do have the ability to make choices and that the end isn't the end, but just possibly a new beginning of beautiful things um, if we're willing to try and to not give up. And I love your story. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jolene. You're welcome. You have an awesome day. You too. Bye. Bye.